Good morning, good morning. Ain't it a great morning outside? Sunny, chilly, but cold. Sunny, that's what we asked for. We're gardeners. We'll take whatever we get. I think I've had enough rain for a little while, but anyway, for the next hour, we're not going to talk about the weather. We can talk about what you can do about it or not do about it. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and you tuned in to the Gestalt Gardener, which is a garden party put on by Mississippi Public Broadcasting. For the next hour or so, me and Java Chapman and Kevin Farrell and all the other folks here at MPB are going to open up our screen door to this garden party, and we're just going to talk about gardening, yards, flowers, shrubs, bulbs, pruning, weeds, lawns. Trees, vegetables, fruits, whatever you want to talk about, bugs and blights, oh my, whatever you want to talk about, that's what we're going to do because it's a live program. We're going to get the phone numbers over and over again, but we're going to take a little break for some news and come back and start getting dirty. Won't you join us? Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Corva Coleman. President Trump insists he has every right to tell the Attorney General what to do. As NPR's Tamara Keith reports, Trump is responding to an admonishment from Attorney General William Barr. President Trump has commented repeatedly in recent days about the case of his longtime associate Roger Stone, who will be sentenced next week for lying to Congress and intimidating a witness, among other crimes. Thursday, in an interview with ABC News, the Attorney General Bill Barr said it was making his job impossible and told Trump to cut it out. It's time to stop the tweeting about Department of Justice criminal cases. In response, this morning, Trump tweeted, quoting Barr from another part of the interview, where Barr said Trump had never personally asked him to do anything in a criminal case. Trump then added, quote, This doesn't mean that I do not have, as president, the legal right to do so. I do, but I have so far chosen not to. Tamara Keith, NPR News. Chinese officials say they have identified more than 63,000 cases of the coronavirus. Nearly 1,400 people have died. In Japan, the largest outbreak of the coronavirus is aboard a cruise ship that's docked in Yokohama. There are 219 cases of coronavirus aboard the Diamond Princess. Everyone is quarantined. NPR's Julie McCarthy reports a small group of vulnerable people is being allowed to disembark. After watching confirmed cases aboard the ship climb through the week, there were no new cases Friday. No doubt a relief to the 3,700 people quarantined the past 10 days. Japan has offered passengers with underlying conditions and those 80 years old and above to disembark for quarantine in less crowded conditions if they test negative for the infection. After Singapore, Japan has the largest outbreak outside China and reported its first death from the virus, a woman in her 80s from Kanagawa, southwest of Tokyo. She is said to have had no known connection to the virus epicenter of Hubei province in China. It is fueling concern that the virus could be circulating around Japan undetected. Julie McCarthy, Imperial News, Manila. It was two years ago today that a gunman killed 17 students and staff at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland, Florida. Jessica Bakeman of member station WLRN has more. Students in Broward County's more than 200 public schools will get out two hours early today. But while they're in school, they'll be focused on mental health instead of academics. Students will practice mindfulness and meditation, participate in hip-hop therapy, and hold a peace rally. Kids at one school will paint a mural with the words, Be the Eye in Kind. Jessica Bakeman reporting. On Wall Street, stocks are mixed. The Dow is down 20 points. The Nasdaq is up nearly 10 points. This is NPR.
There's a lot of evidence that prehistoric humans had sexual relations with other human groups living alongside them. NPR's Merritt Kennedy reports a DNA discovery suggests they also mingled with another unknown group. Our species lived alongside other ancient human groups that split off from the same genetic family tree at different times. And we know these groups would have children together. Scientists have found traces of Neanderthal DNA in Europeans and Asians and Denisovan DNA in people from Oceania. Researchers from UCLA found a similar pattern in West Africa. So this happened uh, around 50,000 years ago. The evidence is in the genomes of present-day West Africans, says computational biologist Sriram Shankararaman. They're calling it ghost DNA because it's evidence of a group they didn't know existed. Merrick Kennedy, NPR News. Iranians in Baghdad are still commemorating the death of General Qasim Soleimani, who was killed in a U.S. drone strike last month. But today, they're also celebrating a holiday that the city takes quite seriously, Valentine's Day. NPR's Jane Araf has more. Iraq is a socially conservative country, but Valentine's Day is huge here, particularly in the cities. In Baghdad, the shops are full of flowers and and hearts and chocolates, and there's quite a lot of pressure, actually, to bring home something nice to your loved one. A lot of people say that's because it's one of those holidays where nobody's divided by religion or where they come from. It's a holiday for everyone. NPR's Jane Araf reporting. I'm Corva Coleman, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include CNN, presenting the new season of the CNN original series Race for the White House, taking a look back at some of the most hard-fought presidential races throughout history, starting Sunday at 9 p.m. on CNN. You're listening to the Gestalt Gardener on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or email garden at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. All righty, folks. Okie dokie. Welcome back. Horticulture's fellow rushing. I've got my earphones all tangled up here. Here we go. You've been oh, out of boy. the studio so long, man. Yeah. how it works. I, mean, I can't put a set of earphones on anymore. Hey, welcome back, folks. I'm glad to be here. And I've already offended uh, Java and Kevin with my selection of music today. You know, here it is on uh, uh, Valentine's Day. It seemed like I would come up with something real sweet or something. But nope, I came up with something really, really cheesy because I heard my first spring peepers yesterday. The first frogs that I've heard of the year. And uh, in about, oh, 20 minutes or so, we're going to play a little clip of something that I think will irritate pretty much everybody. We'll see. Anyway, we're here to talk about gardening. I'm glad to be here. Uh, just walked in. It's uh, cold outside, sunny. Got my feet wet because I traded through some woods. And, um, you know, I just feel like I'm back in the swing of things. We're going to talk about gardening, mudding, or whatever you want. If it's, if it's about gardening, anything related, growing stuff or taking care of stuff or figuring stuff out. 
That's what we're going to do. And I'm not going to try to sell you anything. That's what we do here at MPB. We talk about stuff uh, all week long during uh, all our different programs about whatever's on your mind, using local folks talking about local stuff. Uh, it is a call-in program, toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring And I've got a few shout-outs to share with you all, a couple of events coming up. But let's just jump right in because this is what we do. We talk about people who have stuff on their mind. We're going to go up to Henderson, Tennessee. Hey, James, thank you for calling, man. What's up? Hey, uh, sir, uh, my name is James. I live in Hendersonville, Tennessee, which is uh, about 20 minutes north of Nashville, Tennessee. Ooh. Just to let give you an idea of where I am. Hillbilly, uh, is what we, hillbilly is what we call you. Yeah, hey, yeah, rednecks, hillbillies, we are all that. <laughs> and then some. Um, I have a poinsettia that I got for Christmas, but uh, on Christmas Eve, because I work at a grocery store, they gave me one. And I'd like to know how do I go about, or how does anybody, anyone rather, go about planting one in the uh, springtime, okay. about what time of year should we do that, and how do we go about doing that? Because my grandmother got one, and we planted it probably about three years in a row outside. Yeah. In the fall, we'd take it up, put it inside the the uh, the, the back part of her house. Yeah. For the winter time. Well, you know, which is kind of interesting. You know, they're tropical plants. They, they're native to Mexico, and they'll actually grow along the Gulf Coast and in Florida and California. They, you know, they get almost as big as a house. But Tennessee is going to freeze, so you're going to have to bring it in. But anyway, here's the deal. Think of it as like a, a fern or an old potted plant or something. You bring it, t- take it out in the, in, the, in the spring and summer, drag it into the wintertime. If you want to put it in a big pot, it's really, really easy to grow in with some other flowers. It just makes a nice green plant uh, in a big pot. Uh, it be a lot easier to bring it in the wintertime, uh, uh, but if you want to put it in the ground, just need some sun, needs to not be too wet. It's uh, it's native to dry part of the country, so as long as it gets some sunshine and doesn't stay too wet or let it dry out, here's the deal. Has yours already dropped a lot of its leaves from being indoors? Uh, the bottom parts. The, the red parts are still there, yeah. and the green parts above, uh, I mean, uh, the, the top, top uh, the yeah, a part of the plants are still there, but the bottom parts are already dropped. Well, here, so, here's do I, have a, to, do I have to um, uh, uh, trim it some? The well, it, off or just throw you, it outside you, when, you, when it gets warm enough. Either way you want to go. I mean, like I say, it's in its native habitat. It's a really big shrub or a small tree, so you don't have to do anything. But if you wanted to uh, to to cut it back when you take it out, what'll happen is cutting it immediately stimulates new growth, new side branches. So, you know, if you've got more than one stem, you might want to leave one uncut, cut one kind of low, cut one medium high, and it'll bush out nice little green, like a like a big leaf fern sort of thing. It's not going to have time to bloom outdoors. Uh, you know, you have to bring it in and treat it kind of special for that, but it'll make a nice little fun, clumpy green thing all summer long. I've got a friend who collects them uh, in, in Jackson, Mississippi, which is about halfway between you and the Gulf Coast, I guess, and uh, and he puts them out as a hedge. He goes around the neighborhood and people throw them away and Sets him in his yard as a as a hedge, and come wintertime, he just pulls it up, throws it in the compost, and does it again next year. But anyway, it's yeah. a it's a it's a it's a fun thing. To, no sense in just immediately. No sense in making it a throwaway plant if you can keep it going. No, no, because it, it's beautiful and green. It still has the red. My grandmother's had for three summers had the still that red little vein through it. Yeah, but it was beautiful. It got about waist high because I'm five foot five, so I'm not totally tall. <laughs> but still, it, it's about waist high. I mean, it was beautiful, well, and, you- and it was just gorgeous because it, it was not didn't flower like you said. Because you'd have to do special things, but 
really yeah. beautiful. And, and every time I see one, I see it remind me of my grandmother. There you a go. Flower nut. There you go. You know, I've got a, a handful of uh, daffodils that I brought in this morning that came from my great grandmother's yard. Every time I smell them, I think about them. But anyway, the thing, if you don't prune it, that red stuff's going to sit there and sit there and sit there. But if you snip them off, that kicks them immediately into new growth. So, you know, the, the red stuff basically at the top basically keeps it from growing. But if you snip it off, boom, and then three or four weeks, you're going to have all sorts of little new new branches. It'll be fat and happy. Yeah. Like me, fat yeah. and happy. Okay. There you go. Cool. All right, Sir, Sir James, I appreciate your call, man. I uh, hope you, you have a beautiful day. You stay warm. See you, man. All righty, poinsettias. And uh, a couple of, we're an old month or, month and a half or so away from the same thing with Easter lilies. Easter lilies make great garden plants. They don't bloom for Easter in your garden, but they're great garden plants. So if you plan on getting some Easter lilies, you go to church that has leftover stuff, uh, go ahead and start working up a place in the flower bed towards the back and put them back there, and they'll come up every year, and uh, and they'll bloom oh, you know, sometime in May or so. Let's go up to Madison. Good morning, Jim. Thank you for calling. I've got a question about um, weed killer application. Mm-hmm. I have St. Augustine grass. And right. I, I bought a, a hosein sprayer product by Spectricide. The active ingredient is something called atrazine. Right. And I put it out, uh, sprayed it last Saturday, six days ago. Uh-huh. And, of course, starting Sunday night, we had the great deluge. Yeah. And uh, it rained about nine inches here. I can't see that a single weed has died. The... Uh, <laughs> I'd like to spray again, but the label says, I'm going to quote, do not treat the same area twice. Yeah, here's the deal. Atrazine, of, uh, like most weed killers, can actually damage your lawn. It's chemotherapy. We want to you know, put out enough to, to kill the problem without killing the patient. And if you put on too much or too often, it can cause problems to the lawn. Uh, there, there still may be some chance for it to work. You know, it's been, it's been rainy. It's been overcast. And uh, the weed killers work best on plants that are actively growing. So as long as they had a chance to absorb some of it before it started raining, then it just may be a, a, a slow effect is what I'm saying. Um, also keep in mind that a lot of the weed killers by themselves don't work very well. Usually you need a combination of two or three different things, atrazine and 2,4-D and some other stuff like that. So the combination products work better than any one of the ingredients. Uh, so anyway, it's going to be a gamble whether it works or not. I wouldn't see a problem uh, as long as you don't just stand there and really overdose it. You know, if you just wet the stuff down, you know, you can do it again. The grass is dormant because of the cold weather. Uh, is less likely to be damaged, you know, by, by the herbicides. So now that it's really cool today or tomorrow or, or this weekend, uh, as long as it has a day or two to dry before the rain, you might want to put out another application. But again, just wet the weeds. Don't really overdose it. And right. uh, and I, I think you can get away with that. Does it matter that my grass is greening up already? Well, see, that, that's a problem. Uh, these A lot of these weed killers are designed for northern gardens. And down here, they'll work, but it's a, it's a gamble. When grass greens up in the springtime, what we call spring transition, the little green up period, it's extremely susceptible to herbicides that it can normally tolerate when it's, when it's actively growing. So late February, March, you know, that's when people want to start spraying their weeds. That's when the weeds are hardest to kill because they're big and flowering. And it's also when the grass is most likely to be damage so ideally if you if you want to have a weed free lawn spend this summer getting your grass nice and thick raise your mower a little bit higher all that kind of stuff you'll have fewer weed and the next year uh spray sometime in late december or january when the weeds are small and the grass and a lot easier to control so it's gonna be a little bit of a gamble and if your grass is starting to green up 
uh, you know, I, I just it's chemotherapy, you know, and yeah. uh, we don't want to we don't want to overdo it. So I, I don't know what else to say except if you want to give it a try, do it real light. Try to do it this weekend, and and uh, let's see what happens. Well, maybe next January it won't rain every day. So yeah, I mean, I'll get a in, shot at it. you know, and, and and I tell people all the time, late December, January, after a good good freeze or something, the weeds are growing really, really well. When they're small, they're very easy to kill. But once they start getting bigger and bloomer, uh, blooming, the weed killers just don't work as well. Plus, you you know, you run a risk for the for the for the grass. But anyway, good luck on it. Appreciate it. Thank you, Phil. You bet. Thank you. A lot of people uh, trying to get away from all this. When I started out in horticulture, I worked at a garden center, and, and I sold herbicides. I sold weed killers. I studied at turf management at Mississippi State. I've been to many, many seminars, including up at uh, the Scots people up in, in uh, uh, Maryville, Ohio. Uh, you know, I've, I've studied a lot of this kind of stuff, but the bottom line is it's chemotherapy, and if you're not careful, you're going to kill your patient. So uh, if you can, think about this, folks. This is something I write about all the time. Here's something. If you want to have have a really nice, neat lawn. Think about having a small area that's really well maintained, sort of like a putting green where you use the fertilizers and weed killer and you mow more often and water. Then have a bigger area that's got a second tier of just mow what grows, maybe fertilize every three or four years type approach. It works. This way they do it in a lot of places. They do it all over England and Europe. They have a really maintained little small shining gym and then they have what they call a fairway or just a meadow type lawn. Anyway, just, just throwing that out. You don't have to have wall-to-wall green grass to be a successful, prosperous American. Anyway, let's go to uh, Gary now. He's calling from, uh, I can't read, uh, something center. Lake, Lake Center. Center. Hey, I, I got, you know, they, they had the screen in the in the studio, and it's just high enough where I have to raise my head up to see it, and my bifocal line gets right in the middle of everything. <laughs> What's up, Gary? Yeah, you got to look down when you're walking so you don't trip. That's right. Oh, but first of all, where's Lake Center? Halfway between Potts Camp and Holly Springs. Okay, so you're way up in the icebox. It's cold this morning. 28 degrees. Ouch. Glad I'm not a tomato plant. What What, what can I help you with? I just got one of these miniature roses mm-hmm. for my wife, and I was wondering uh, to keep it inside, how I do it, or plant it outside. Uh, what, what, you gonna do this for? Uh huh. You are you are raised right. Uh, it'll do better outside. R- do okay. Better better outside. Uh, matter of fact, until you uh, until it, even though it's cold, it'll t- you know uh-huh. these roses will take it. But they like the re- they like the real sunshine. They like the humidity. And they actually kind of like the cool temperatures. So I'd leave it okay. outside and and uh, and pl- when you get a chance to plant it. Um, it's uh you know be sure you loosen up the potting soil in the roots. Don't just pull out the right. pot sticking in the ground. Right. But no, it, it'll do better out on sunny ports than it will in, indoors, where it's low okay. low humidity, low All light. All right, I got a big pot and a and a wall on from my house to sit it on. There you go, there you go. T- okay. t- t- just t- don't t- leave it out there in freezing weather. Well, you know, you can. They, it was out in the freezing weather at garden center. <laughs> okay. You know, I mean, if, if it's going to dip down to the teens, I'd drag it in. Yeah, okay. But anyway, I got to ask you this. You do this just because you're a good man or because it's Valentine's Day or both? Well, I asked the Lord to send me a woman, and he did, and she loved the Lord before she loved me, so you got to take care of her. The least you can do is give her a rose every now and then. Thank you so much, man. Appreciate it, Gary. All right. Be blessed now. Thank you. All righty, folks. Um, 
Valentine's Day. There's a couple of things going on this weekend. Uh, one is going to be in Jackson at a garden center called Hutto's on Saturday morning. If you listen to the rebroadcast, you miss this, but you can uh, email me later, and I'll send you the information. It's a home fruit seminar, how to choose the right types of fruits and the right varieties that look good in the landscape without a whole bunch of care. And if you're pretty lucky, you're going to get something to eat off of it. Landscape quality plants that produce fruit. It's a free seminar. We're going to start at 9 o'clock. It's at Hutto's Garden Center in Jackson. And um, it's indoors, so no matter what the weather is, you come on. We always have a nice crowd and have plenty of stuff to talk about. I'm Horticulture's Felder Rushing, and me and Java and Kevin and uh, all the other folks here at MPB. Glad you tuned in. We can take a real quick break and come back with more gardening right here on Mississippi Public Broadcasting. Ari Shapiro, host of All Things Considered. Here's to MPB, celebrating its 50th anniversary in 2020. For moments in black history, we salute Fannie Lou Hamer. The civil rights activist Fannie Lou Hamer is known for her words, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, during her testimony at the 1964 Democratic National Convention. But the Mississippi native would also lend her voice to many freedom songs during the civil rights movement. Fannie Lou Hamer was a true champion of the people, and we salute her leadership. This has been MPB's Moment in Black History. Hi, I'm Java Chapman, producer here at MPB Think Radio, and it is with great pleasure that I wish MPB a happy 50th anniversary. Now let's cut this cake. You're listening to the Gestalt Gardener on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email garden at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Uh, Java, let me ask you something here. Uh, around Jackson, have you noticed this big tree, this bloom is covered with big pink flowers, just solid pink flowers? Have you noticed them? Yeah, I've been seeing them around. Uh, this is a type of magnolia. It's, a, it's, a, it's from uh, Japan and China. It's an oriental type of, of, uh, of tree. But when they bloom, and I was just up in Greenwood. I gave you a talk at the Greenwood Garden Club yesterday, uh, and they're in bloom everywhere. Here's the deal, though. Usually when they bloom, it freezes. It may not always happen, but I think that they cause a freeze. And if we, people didn't plant them, maybe we could plant tomatoes a little earlier. Because, I mean, every time they bloom, it gets cold. And what happened? They bloomed, and bam, it froze. It may You may be on to something. They cause it. They cause it. People down in Florida, they don't have them, and they can plant earlier than we do. So anyway, uh, Japanese magnolia is in full bloom. Beautiful plant. To me, they signal the end of winter because from here on, it's going to be more. I've got all sorts of stuff blooming in my garden right now, including uh, this vase full of daffodils, different kinds of daffodils, little paper whites, uh, narcissus, uh, which is Latin for all the daffodils. And uh, matter of fact, maybe uh, Java, we can get you to get up for the for the. Uh, the blog thing, uh, what do you call it, podcast? Yeah, 
we can get a picture of, of, of these things. They came from my great-grandmother's garden. They bloom every single year, regardless of the weather, no matter rain or shine or cold or freezing, no matter what, these things bloom. And uh, no matter what, they smell good. Yeah, yeah. Some people say these white ones smell like cat pee, but, you know, oh, well, it's just... And one of those things. Anyway, we're going to post a picture of that a little bit later. If you want to give me a call and talk about gardening, it's toll-free, mpb ring And before we take this next caller, I want to give a special thanks to Frida Maxey, uh, who's with the Greenwood Garden Club. She she drove around and showed me some of the, the, the civic projects that they have, the herb gardens and the little square gardens and, and uh, the, the, the walkways and things. But she also gave me a rooted... Uh, hydrangea that she rooted herself that came from her grandmother's garden. Uh, Frida gave me a, a real nice little thing. It's got buds on it. I'm going to set it out over the weekend. Appreciate that, Frida. Mama said not to thank you for it. It won't grow. Uh, let's talk, go down to Sochet, Mississippi. Hi, Jill. Thank you for holding. How are you? Hi. I'm yeah. doing good. I've got a little problem on my land. I've got two acres of land on a lake in Sochet. And lately... There's this very strange thing happening. Some of the branches are just falling out of the trees, and they're covered with little white, like white paint on the bark. Uh-huh. And then there's some of these little white things that kind of look like weird mushrooms coming out, but yeah. they're white. And and they're just breaking the land. Like one of my fig trees was completely killed by it. I have yeah. a lot of fruit tip trees, and they're getting this stuff on it. Yeah, um, you know, with, with, and, and without seeing a picture of it, I can only make an educated guess, but it's a pretty good educated guess. Um, you know, fruit trees and crepe myrtles and a lot of older plants get these things on there. It's not an algae. It's not a fungus. It's a combination, and they're called lichens, L-I-C-H-E-N. Uh, lichens, uh, they, they can be scaly. They can be white. They can be gray. They can be uh, e- even colorful stuff. They grow on rocks and tombstones and iron bridge rails, uh, but they also grow on anything that's not moving very well, including Old trees that are what we call unthrifty. They need pruning or fertilizing or something. So when a tree gets old or is stressed or it gets tired and it's just not growing very well, lichens uh, get shucked off of it. You know, as, as the trees grow in diameter, it just shucks them off. Uh, so anyway, it sounds like you've just got lichens, which are a symptom. They're not the problem. They're the symptom that those branches are weak or dead or dying. And uh, about the only thing we can recommend, and they don't get, they don't hurt a tree. They grow on rocks. They grow on tombstones. Uh, but, but when you see them heavy on a tree, that tells us you need to prune and fertilize to get the trees back into good vigor. And uh, they're more well, the they're the symptom more than the cause. And, and I'm assuming that that's what it is. Without a picture, I don't know for sure. Well, um, where could I send you a picture? Uh, well, you can send it to uh, garden at mpbonline.org. Uh, I've okay. matter, as a matter of fact, I've got, I've got an email from somebody who, who sent me a picture of some cratemurls on there, but I've been traveling all week and had a chance to take a look at it. But if you'll send a pretty good, clear, close-up picture uh, to garden at mpbonline.org, I'll shoot you an answer back later today. Well, I'm kind of afraid because, like I said, it killed one of my big trees. Mm-hmm. See, this fig tree wasn't in very good shape in the beginning, I right, guess. Right. But now what's happening, it, it's like just on some of the fruit trees, like I have, um, and I have a couple more fig trees. Right. And it's like the end of the branches that look kind of weak, like maybe dead. That's where they are. 
stuff on yeah. them. Well, now, 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 Jill, again, it could be a type of insect called a scale insect. They, 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 cover, they don't look like bugs. They don't have legs or anything, but they, they cover stuff and suck sap. It could be a type of scale insect, but I'm thinking it might be lichens, and if that's the case, they're not killing the tree. They're telling you the tree is yeah. having trouble. They're, they're more the symptom. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I actually grow lichens uh, because I think they're pretty, but I put them on rocks and stuff like that. But uh, anyway, send me a picture. Well, let's, they get on your trees. Let, let's, anyway, let, what, where do you recommend fertilizing my fruit trees? Because I have any, all I've got any, I've got any, any kind of all-purpose fertilizer. Just a little bit under the outer spread. You know, stick your arms out, wiggle your fingers, and you'll see where the real roots are. So all out away from the trunk, up under the tree, just a little bit of just any kind of good all-purpose uh, garden fertilizer. And that, and, and that, time of year? Any time, you know, it, it not you know, sometime in now to spring. Now to spring, right? Okay, it, it, you know, if you do this every oh three or four years at least, you don't have to fertilize every year twice a year like the commercial people do. But if you'll give them a little fertilizer every three or four years, it gets recycled in their leaves and stuff like that. I was so. using those uh, ones that look like a. No, 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 no. Those those things are a real good gimmick. They fertilize the hole that you put them in. Uh, oh. Six six inches oh. over. There's none. If you don't use fertilizer spikes, uh, put them in a, a a bucket, smash them all up, and then scatter that around. Oh, okay. Yeah, you don't okay. want to just fertilize the hole you stick them in. Okay, look forward to getting that that email, Jill. Okay, great. Alrighty, folks, horticulture's fell to rushing here. Got these daffodils from my great grandmother's yard. One of the most fragrant, the two most fragrant to me, are the ones called paper whites and the one called jonquils. And this time of year, where you can really tell them apart, all the different kind of daffodils, their Latin name is Narcissus. Narcissus is the Latin. All the different daffodils, uh, there's, there's some that are double. Some people call them butter and eggs. Uh, there's some that have a long cup, some a flat cup. But the ones that have several flowers per stem, they're typically white, uh, yellow, or yellow and white. They're real, real fragrant. They're called paper whites. Uh, but there's one called jonquil. And this is the fun thing. If you, if you want to know a little esoteric thing about gardening, look at the, the foliage of daffodils. Most of them are shaped like a butter knife, kind of wide and flat. But there's one whole group called jonquilla, Narcissus jonquilla, and their leaves are skinny like a quill. They're little round quill-like things. That's where they get the name, John. Quilla. Uh, typically, they're yellow. They're intensely fragrant. And uh, the reason I'm like the paper whites and the jonquils, they are southern. You can't grow them up uh, in north of Tennessee. You, you know, they're, they're, they're ours. They bloom early. They don't need a long cold spell. They come back. They spread. They multiply. And they're real fragrant. And uh, you bring just three or four of them indoors in a vase, and your whole house will smell. Uh, if you like that, it'll smell like my great grandmother's garden. Anyway, give us a call, toll-free, 1-877-MPB-RING. I'm going to take a call real quick, but after that, I want to set up this music that I brought in. Let's talk to Jeff in Jackson. Hey, Jeff, how are you, man? Good morning. How you doing? Good, good. What's up? Well, I'm just passing through Jackson, and uh, when I do, I always enjoy your show. But uh, I have a place in South Arkansas, about 90 miles north of Monroe, and first week of January... I had a peach tree that was already blooming. Yeah. And uh, I lived down in full time down in Baton Rouge. And uh, it's just, uh, maybe it's my imagination, but, uh, but everything seems to be blooming just so early this year. Yeah. Uh, and uh, it's it's almost kind of scary. It's beautiful, but, you know, yeah. it's, you know of course, you know, I'm, I'm concerned about, a, you know, the freeze we're going to get. And so oh, yeah. You know, all the, 
But well, um, well, here, here's is, is that my imagination? No, no, it's not. Yeah. There's, no, there's there's a lot of stuff blooming right now. Uh, I drove up uh, to uh, to the Delta yesterday to give a talk to a garden club. And notice the wild pears and the wild plums are blooming, and they're a little yeah. bit early. Here, here's the deal: uh, trees, not tropical plants, but trees in areas like ours that have seasons, they tell time by hormones that are that are stimulated by weather. And in the wintertime, the trees that go dormant, that drop all the leaves that bloom in the spring, they count time according to uh, temperature hours that are above freezing but below 45, about 45, refrigerator temperature. Once it gets freezing, they shut down, but somewhere above freezing uh, up to about 45, those are called chilling hours. And uh, some plants require a lot of chilling hours. Cherries, for example, need a 1,000 chilling hours before they'll bloom. reason they don't do well in the South, they don't get that much. Some plants down in South Louisiana, uh, they'll bloom after they get 200 chilling hours. So let's say you got one that needs four or five hundred chilling hours, which is normal for our part of the country, five, six, seven hundred. If we have a long cold spell that's above freezing, they can get their chilling hours in December or January. And first warm weekend that comes along, boom, they think it's springtime. So it depends on how much of that temperature above freezing uh, in the 30s and lower 40s. The number of hours is uh, the chilling hours is what how plants tell when it's time to bloom or not. So we had a lot of cold back in December and again in January, and it sort of satisfied a lot of plants' need uh, for, for wintertime. So every warm weekend it comes along, they think it's springtime. And, and it is a gamble. Uh, we can lose a lot of fruit because of it. Yes. Uh, but All right. Well, that's it's very interesting. Like I said, it's pretty, but it's just, I've, I've never seen uh, plants come out. Yeah. Yeah, it, so it, it happens. You know, like I say, there's some plants like, like uh, the I was talking about the paper white uh, daffodils. You know, yes. they, they don't need any chilling hours to speak of. You know, they'll bloom uh, in, t- in, in, in December because they don't need much cold. Uh, the reason they don't grow up north, because up north they get the cold they need uh, by the end of December. They bloom and they freeze. But a lot of plants um, that normally bloom in March, they've already had their chilling hours, and they think it's March. Well. That explains it. I, pr- I appreciate it. Okay, nothing. Hey, for, for what it's worth, the bees and butterflies—they're out there. They're they're digging it. They 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 like it. So it's not a total loss. Just for just for uh, there go our blueberries though. There you go. <laughs> Good luck on it, man. I appreciate your call. Thank you. Okay, um, we're gonna play this little tune. It's only two minutes. I want to set it up because I got back uh, for a bit. I left the snow, the snow and the wind and and all like that, and the fog and the the hoarfrost. Uh, landed in, in Mississippi, and the first thing I heard after all that rain was some spring peepers, some of the little spring frogs. And uh, Java, y'all have had, y'all have had a frog guy here on, on one of the other programs, haven't you? Yeah, on Creature Comforts, we often uh, talk to um, frog uh, frog specialists. Yeah. <laughs> and, we, and like I was telling you before, um, one of Kevin Farrell's favorite uh, frog sounds or frogs uh, makes a sound and it doesn't even sound like a croak. It sounds like you're thumbing a comb. Well, there, there's there's some, and, and, and by the way, only at MPB are you going to find somebody who's got a favorite frog sound, right? <laughs> but that's what we do. Anyway, I just heard an electronic thing that sounds like frogs. It's called Crazy Frogs. We're going to listen to a couple of minutes of it. Relax, folks. You'll get through it. And we're going to come back with your phone calls here on Mississippi Public Broadcast. We'll be right back after Crazy Frogs.
This is Karen Brown. You hear me on Morning Edition and Mississippi Edition. I'd like to wish MPB a happy 50th anniversary. Grammy-winning producer, hit songwriter, celebrated musician and vocalist, trusted mentor. These are just a few of the ways country music's greatest describe Mississippi's Carl Jackson. Tune in for MPB's new documentary, Meet Carl Jackson, featuring Dolly Parton, Linda Ronstadt, Emmylou Harris, Vince Gill, Marty Stewart, Tom T. Hall, and more. Exclusively on MPB Television. Thursday, February 20th at 7, with Encores Friday at 8, Saturday at 7, and Sunday at 4. You're listening to the Gestalt Gardener on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email garden at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. Okie dokie, folks. Welcome back. Ding-a-ding-a-ding. I hope you enjoyed that. Java, you know, it's just frog stuff. That's all it is. But, you know, if you spend any time out in the woods or near lakes and things like that, you will hear some bizarre sounds. And there used to be, I don't know if they still have it, but uh, the uh, Natural Science Museum used to have a, a little cassette of frog songs. And they are really bizarre. Anyway, uh, we're talking about gardening. We're going to go down to uh, over to Neshoba County and talk to Carrie. Hey, Carrie, thank you for holding. I appreciate it. Yes, sir. What's up? Well, a uh, question about using the hack and squirt method for thinning pines. Uh-huh. I, I recently attended a class in Neshoba County that Mississippi State put on, and they were discussing uh, uh, thinning hardwood trees yeah. in a hardwood, you know, forest. So right. What I'm needing to do is thin pines. I have a neighbor that has, uh, he's in the logging business, and he told me he just went through and cut every other row, uh, yeah, every, yeah, every other row, uh-huh. two rows and cut one, two rows and cut one. That's right. what I'm trying to say. Right. Uh, with a chainsaw and just let it rot. So I'm <sighs> wondering why can't, 
I don't want to use a chainsaw. Yeah. And uh, well, I'd, I'd rather use a hack and squirt method if that's possible. Yeah. Well, for, yeah. first first of all, folks who are listening, hack and squirt, this is the forestry thing. They have like a hypo hatchet, like a hatchet that's got a hollow yep. stem and it's got a herbicide in it. And they go down and they just make a few chops on the bark and then injects a little weed killer just under the bark uh, enough to kill the tree. And, uh, yeah. and 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 that's 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 what you're talking about. And I don't, you know, I'm familiar with and the, the hypo hatchet and all like that. I'm real familiar with it, but I don't know whether it works on pine trees as well as it does uh, because they have a different kind of sap, or if there's a time of year when it works better than others. You know, this it's a good question, but it's a it's a forestry thing, and I just don't know whether the the it works as well on pines. My thinking is it should, but I don't know if there's a time when the sap is going up or going down, or when's the best time to do it. So uh, okay, this guy, uh, yeah, if you yeah. just if you just call the the county uh, uh, the the county agent or the forestry commission because you know they they deal with that all the time and they boom they'll answer just straight. Otherwise, yeah. I can find out for you, but I, I don't um, know I don't know the best time of year is what I'm saying. Okay, well, the the county agent was sitting next to me. When, when I asked the question, and I'm on my way today to the Forestry Commission to, t- to talk to them about it. Okay, no. well, well, to... Yeah, the question is, does it work as well on pines? And if so, what's the best time of year to do it? Because whether the sap is going up or down or whatever, you know, th- th- that'll make mm-hmm. a big difference. And uh, okay. sooner or later, you have to cut those things down, you know that, or just, just let them fall. Uh, are they big trees? Well, they've been there 20 years. Yeah, the the problem not is real big trees. They need to be thinned. A forestry man came out and he's already told me I need to thin them. Yeah, well, you know, if you if you if you just chop them and and let them, you know, I don't know, but you may be you know inviting something like pine beetles or something. I, I just don't know. You know, I've been to enough forestry stuff to where I know what you're talking about, but I know less than you about the answer. Okay, <laughs> but but, right. but but I'm an expert who will admit it. Okay, <laughs> appreciate Good. it, Gary. Tell him yes, I said sir. hey. Thanks. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Yeah. Can you imagine a hypo hatchet? a hatchet that you put weed killer in the stem of it and go around, and it's like injecting stuff into it. It's a weird world. Hey, you want to give us a call? It's toll-free, one eight seven seven mpb ring we got the lines wide open. We've got Jamie, our intern, who's sitting in there uh, being the, the call greeter, phone greeter. They used to call it call screener, but I'm thinking like Walmart. Hey, how you doing? So our, 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 our phone greeter. It's Jamie. Good to see her back. Felder, uh, you were talking about the frogs. I, yeah. I have to make sure I shout out um, uh, our Creature Comforts resident frog expert, Joe McGee. He always, <laughs> I'm talking about, you can play any frog sound, and he's going to tell you exactly what frog it is, spot on. So I, I, we played that song. I don't know if he could pick the frog. Oh, yeah. That species, I don't think you can pick that species out. You know, hey, I want, I want to, I want, I want to have a beer with him. I'd love to for us to start doing frog songs at the pub and see how long it takes us to get kicked out. <laughs> anyway, folks, we got some lines wide open. If you want to give me a call? It's toll free one eight seven seven MPB ring. I've, uh, I'm, I'm still, I'm behind a little bit on some of my emails. I caught up with some this morning, but uh, because I was traveling, uh, I, I, I'm a little bit behind on it. But anyway, I'm. Wrap them up this weekend. One eight seven seven MPB ring is a toll free number. You want to shoot us an email? It's gardening at mpbonline dot org. What's now, up, John? Now, seeing that it is Valentine's Day, yeah. and a lot of flowers are going to be flying out of these florists and and grocery store shops and stuff like and, that. And you're taking some too, right? What's the tip? 
for, I guess, you know, the the best bang for your buck, the longest you can get them to last, Ooh, and what do a, you do? And that's a good one. Sprinkle some magic dust in the, in the water. Yeah, that's that's a good one. You know, the cut flowers, by the time you get them, you know, they're so busy. Florist people are so busy right now that they're, they may not be able to condition the flowers as well as they would like to, you know, to soak them ahead of time and all like that. So if you get some cut flowers, the first thing I'd do is I would recut the stems, immediately put them in some fresh water that's kind of deep. You know, uh, well up on the stem, but fresh cut and immediately stick it in the water. Uh, fresh water. You don't have to worry about putting, you know, uh, Sprite in it or any of those kind of floral type of things. You don't have to do that. But uh, to me, the longest daffodil, you know, daffodils last a long time. I really, really like daffodils. Uh, I like to get them in bud and bring them in. And sometimes they'll be there for we can have two weeks slowly open. So, uh, you know, the main thing is if you get a, a flowering plant like a hydrangea or, you know, shrub kind of thing, Keep it outside, you know, bring it in for for part for, you know, for dinner and for smiles and hugs and stuff. But uh, these kind of plants eventually want to go outside. They don't like the low humidity and the warmth and the low light of indoors. So keep them outside where they think they're they're in where they think everything's cool. Just bring them in to show them off every now and then. Sort of like having an old stinky dog. You know, you don't keep them in all the time. Uh, Now, let's go up to Madison. Talk with John. Hey, John. Howdy. Hey, hey, Felder. I just wanted to thank you for uh, uh, announcing the uh, pruning thing at uh, Greenwood last Saturday. I went and had a wonderful time. Yeah, they said uh, they said there was like uh, almost thirty people there. Yeah, yeah, it was a blast. Uh, we, we, I followed a fellow named Tom around. I think you know, and uh, uh, we just we did a lot of work on those roses, and I brought home. I don't know how many cuttings and stuck them in the ground and then got nine inches of rain. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm not expecting much from them. But, uh, no, they, they should do fine. Hey, let, let me give you a real quick tip. This is something I learned from, from uh, Dr. Dirt, who used to be uh, the co-host here at MPB. He, he passed away several years ago. He rooted a lot of roses, but when the new growth came out, on the on the, the he would rub all that off. It'll put out new growth again. But uh, when it starts sprouting out new stuff, rub that first little flush off to sort of buy the cutting some time so they can grow some roots before they put too much stress on them. Rub it with your fingers? Yeah, yeah, just, you know, or, or stem, or whatever. The main thing is don't let them put out a whole bunch of sprouts on sticks that don't have any roots yet. And, uh, and if you're not sure about it, do some one way and and do some the other way, and let's see how it works. But he always swore by rubbing off all the all the, the new growth, and and okay. he and he was good at it. Well, I'll give it my best shot. I uh, there was a, a tombstone laying on the ground, and it had a fire ant, old fire ant bed, kind of grown over it. And I kicked away, kicked it away with my foot, and it turned out to be my wife's great aunt. Oh, wow! <laughs> and you didn't, and you didn't know it. I didn't know it. Uh, I uh, didn't know. I'd never even heard of that cemetery before. But uh, I took a picture and sent it to all the family and. Uh, it was just real cool. I had a great time. Got on the mail list. I'm gonna do it again next year. It'd be interesting to do a survey to find out how many people thought that was real sweet and how many people thought that was creepy. <laughs> I mean, I, I've watched I've watched too too much late night Twilight Zone. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm I'm glad you had a good time, and I know they appreciated you coming out, John. All right. Thanks a lot. All right. Appreciate it. Thank you. Okay. Now, speaking of Greenwood, let's go up to Greenwood. Hey, Bill. How are you this morning? I'm doing pretty good, Felder. Uh, enjoying hearing about your stinking dog. That was like my little dog. I give him a bath and then go get right in the dirt again. That's what they do. You got you know if you don't love it, if you love them, it's because you don't get them. 
And, uh, yeah, I, I could give him a bath and he'd stay six hours later. But anyway, uh, I, I bought some seeds uh, uh, from uh, one of my local stores uh, back in the spring, but I never did plant them. But uh, it's kind of strange. Uh, they got different varieties of, from around the world and different things of seeds. And I bought some tobacco and I bought some different varieties of cotton. But uh, one of them, I think it was from uh, Russia, mm -hmm. uh, is uh, sunflower seed. And they say that is, uh, you know, it must be like about bigger than a dinner plate. I mean, yeah. gigantic. Yeah. Is that true? Would it, would it really come with a seed producer he had that big? Yeah, so, yeah. See, a, a lot of sunflowers, of course, sunflowers are native to North America, you know, and, and what they've done, just like we took uh, wild corn and wild peppers and we've hybridized them and made them bigger and more fruitful and all like that, they've done that with sunflowers too. And in Russia, uh, just like in, in like North Dakota and places like that here, they grow uh, thousands of acres of sunflowers for the oil, you know, and, and they found that those with the, you know, if you're going to plant something, you want to get the most out of it. So they bred them to have bigger heads with more seeds. So it sounds like that's what you've got, one of those. Now, you, you, I would wait until April before you plant these things because it's going to be warm in a month from now. Everybody's going to want to, they're going to get spring fever, but the dirt is going to be cold. I wouldn't plant those things till you see cotton farmers planting. Now, they're not going to plant till the dirt's warm. Yeah, okay. and uh, and they'll grow better. But also, when you plant these sunflowers, uh, put your little piece of you know a little stake or something nearby because you know it, at least about knee high because you're gonna have to tie it up, oh, two or three feet off the ground to keep it from flopping over because it will flop over. I think they said it was twenty feet tall. <laughs> Well, you know, and that, and that, that's 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 up in in a cold area. But the main thing is you're gonna need to stake it. Uh, you know, unless you have whole fields of it, like they do corn. You know, you put one corn plant out, it's gonna blow over. You put one sunflower plant, but you have a whole field full of it. It's not so bad. But, but be prepared to uh, to to tie it to something. It doesn't have to be you know head high, but enough to to you know uh, maybe knee high, three or four feet off the ground. Put a little loop around it to keep it from flopping over, because it will. I want to ask one of my cactus real quick. I bought these. Uh, they were closing out at uh, my local uh, Walmart store, and it looks like it's a uh, the prickly pear cactus, but it's a beautiful, maybe a different variety. Lots, lots of hundreds of there's, there's dozens of species and hundreds of varieties. I've got one that's smooth is a it, it, smooth. Let's put it that way. It's, it's mostly smooth, but you know it's. Got a beautiful light green color, but it doesn't say anything about uh, uh, the temperature. So uh, it's in a, it's pretty big. It's in a pot. Yeah, I could bring it in, but you know I'm kind of lazy. <laughs> well, I, I I grow a lot of different cacti succulents, and most of them are hardy outside. But if it's going to get down into the teens or something, I'd bring it in just for them because they you know they like cool weather. Uh, they just and they like hot weather. They don't like freezing weather. So that, I would I would only drag it in if it's going to get down uh, into the teens. Yeah, the mid twenties. No, no, the teens. They'll take the mid twenties. <laughs> okay, Fowler, will you have a good day? You have a happy Valentine's Day. Appreciate, and, uh, appreciate it. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. I was just up in Greenwood yesterday. Talked to the Greenwood Garden Club. Had so much fun. You know, these are ladies who like to have fun. I appreciate that. Now let's go to uh, Benton. Talk with Billy. Hey, Billy. Thank you for calling. How you doing? Fine. What's Hi. up? I ask you a question. I, I've been getting several seed catalogs from different companies across the country, and the, 
I noticed the corn, they sell a sweet corn, and uh, some of it has white kernels interspersed with the yellow. Some of it's solid white. Yeah. Some of it's yellow. Which one will have the highest sugar content? Does that have anything to do with the uh, white kernels, or is that just cosmetic? No, the, the difference between white kernels and yellow kernels is a gene for the color. There's no difference in, in the white or the yellow. Now, different varieties of corn yellow or white, can be sweeter than others. They have sugar, right. super sweets, and all like that. So the, the variety of corn, but there's no difference between the, 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 the yellow and the white of the same variety. It's I, just for looks, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. Okay. But like, like I say, there's, there's some white ones that are sweet. There's white ones that aren't. There's yellow ones sweet. So it's, it, it's not the color, though. It's the variety. Yeah. More question. I, I'll let you go. Are you going to be at Hutto's tomorrow or next I Saturday? No, tomorrow morning, Saturday uh, the, the 15th. It starts at 9 o'clock, and it's indoors, too. Good deal. I'll see you there. All righty. Say hey. Thank you. All righty. Okay, folks, that's, uh, he's talking about, got some lines open. You want to give me a quick call, one eight seven seven mpb ring Email garden at mpbonline.org. Don't have my laptop with me, so I don't know if anybody's emailed me while we're on the air or not. But uh, anyway, if you want to give me a call real quick, uh, or else uh, just shoot me an email. One of the things that uh, that I'm doing this weekend is Hutto's having a, a garden center in Jackson. It's on Ellis Avenue right off of Interstate 20. 20, Interstate 20 and Ellis Avenue in South Jackson. It's indoors. There's always a nice crowd. got a lot of different kind of fruit plants. I'm not selling anything. There's no fee for it, but if you want to get some plants, you know, they're ready for you. Anyway, if you haven't pruned your fruit trees, this is the month to do it. This weekend, I'm pruning my fig. I'm pruning my roses. I'm cutting a lot of stuff. Not my spring bloomers, like azaleas and blueberries and stuff. Uh, but all the stuff that needs to be pruned, this would be a great weekend for it. We're going to take a quick break and come out with the Gestalt Gardener right here on MPB. Hello. This is Liz Gill, a producer here at MPB Think Radio and the host of In Legal Terms and Autocorrect. Congratulations, MPB, on 50 years. Today is Valentine's Day, the most romantic day of the year. So join us on Next Stop Mississippi as me and Kamel tour some of Mississippi's most unique romantic places. We'll make stops at McLean Lodge in Brandon, Bonterie in Nesbitt, and end the show in Natchez for a bit of historic Southern charm. Plus, we're giving you a chance to win a romantic getaway package. So stay tuned for Next Stop Mississippi today at 10 a.m. only on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to the Gestalt Gardener on MPB Think Radio. To call the show, dial 1-877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464. Or email garden at mpbonline.org. This is MPB Think Radio. All righty, folks, welcome back. Horticulture's fell rushing. Uh, I got my little digger pen, digger, D-I-G, D is in determined, independent gardener. Uh, that's what those of us who do what we want to do. Uh, I tell you how you can tell it, uh, determined, independent gardener, digger. They always have a row of plants on their driveway wishing that somebody would get around to planting them. And they also uh, are also likely to see anything on the side of the road that's been thrown away. They immediately think, hey, I could use that at home. Uh, and a lot of times they do. I saw a really good one uh, in Greenwood yesterday. It was on... Um, 
Jeff- I think it was Jefferson Avenue. I'm not sure, but they had bottle trees and every kind of plant you could imagine. It was a nice-looking place. It was orderly, but it was full of a lot of stuff, an obvious digger, and we appreciate that a whole bunch. I uh, would like to also uh, mention that what, uh, I had a new type of pepper in a salad the other day, uh, and I'm going to tell you about that, but first we're going to talk to Jill, who's calling back from Sochet. Hey, Jill, you go out and look at your trees again. Hello, Jill. Okay, I'm seeing it on the blinky light thing. You there, Jill? Don't don't know what's going on. I don't know. Shoot me an email, Jill. Garden at mpbonline.org. Anyway, I was telling you about this pepper. I'd never seen I didn't know what it was. It was like, like a little teardrop. It was like a, a, a little pear, you know, pointy at the top, but the whole thing was smaller than the end of my little finger, and I never heard it before. And I, I, I Google it, and it turns out it's called Inca Red Drops, or Sweetie Drops. And they're, they taste like sweet tomatoes, but they were little peppers. Again, about the size of the end of my finger, sweet as they could be, a little tart. And I went online, and I ordered me some seeds of it, because I want to see how it does. But uh, Petties, Pouvron, or Sweetie Drops, or in Inca Red Drop. Google Sweetie Drops and see what you think. I'm gonna give. A, I'm, I'm gonna spread some seeds out. I'm gonna have a local garden center who's better at growing stuff from seed than I am because these seeds were not real cheap. It's like three or four dollars for a packet of seed. I'm gonna get somebody professional growing for me. I'm gonna spread the plants out with some different gardeners and see if we can't get us some Sweetie Drops growing right here in Mississippi. Uh, and also the last thing I want to mention is, uh, <laughs> you know, my first talk of the year was Greenwood Garden Club, and they and they, they had homemade food, and they had Java. They had, have you ever had tamale pie? No, I never had tamale pie. You know, you get you some tamales, you get some chili, you layer them, and you put some some onions and cheese over it, and you bake it. Now, that sounds good. Oh, but it's got to be bad for you, but it was good. It was good. <laughs> anyway, uh, she said, I, I think these garden club ladies, you know, they're fancy folks. She said, no, I just went on the, the Hormel line, and they get a can of Hormel chili, a can of Hormel uh, uh, tamales, and a can of Hormel uh, 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 corn, top it with some some uh, cheese. To get, I'm thinking garden club ladies make stuff out of a can, and it was good. We have to put that on Deep South Dining. That sounds good, though. There you go. I mean, uh, tamale pie. If nothing else, you know, ta- my great-grandmother used to make tamale pie from scratch. It's a good way to fill you up, especially on a nice warm weekend. So that's what I'm going to be doing, tamale yeah, pie. You go get you some, uh, some Tony's tamales. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And some of my homemade chili. You know, but anyway, I appreciate Hormel folks for putting the recipe online. <laughs> you know, we're not sponsored. I guess it's okay to say that. Yeah, no, we we we, <laughs> we uh, have no problem with Hormel. Okay, well, I'm going to do me some some uh, some tamale pie this weekend because that's the kind of weather we got. Hope to see some of y'all at Hutto's in Jackson on Saturday. Uh, we've got some plant swaps and other things coming up. Some really fun stuff coming up in in uh, in March. So I'm looking forward to to get, give a talk to master gardeners and libraries and garden clubs and mostly just whooping it up. Uh, we're going to post a picture of these daffodils that came from my great-grandmother's yard uh, as soon as we get off the air for, for our podcast. And uh, Anyway, it's going to be a chilly weekend. Pretty weekend, but chilly weekend. If you don't feel like eating chili, <laughs> then get out and do some stuff. Take a kid to a garden center. Get them a sack of something. Any kind of thing. A little plant. If you're getting uh, nice little plants for Valentine's Day, take care of them. And maybe it'll be something you can stick out in the yard later. Doesn't really matter. Hey, if you've got some things during the week you want to talk about gardening, shoot me an email, garden at MPB 
Online.org. Uh, anyway, we're free falling towards uh, springtime. The Japanese magnolias are telling us that it's on its way. If you get a chance, go to a garden center, take a kid with you, show them how to do what we best and what we do best, and that's get dirty. See y'all next week. Horticulture's fellow rushing and all the folks here, me and Java and Jamie, all the folks MPB. We look forward to seeing y'all again. This forecast is underwritten by Blue Cross and Blue Shield of Mississippi. Live healthy. Live blue. It's good to be blue. More at bcbsms.com. Beautiful weather for today. A little on the cool side. We're really going to start to warm our temperatures up as we head through the weekend. Two below today. Lots of sunshine. Our high temperatures this afternoon run around 45. I think tonight we're looking at mainly clear skies. Overnight lows will drop down to near 25 degrees. Vicksburg, plenty of sunshine today. Our high temperatures this afternoon will be right around 50. Tonight, a mainly clear sky. Overnight lows will settle back in the upper 20s to near 30 degrees. And in Hattiesburg, wall-to-wall sunshine today. Our high temperatures this afternoon into the upper 50s. Tonight, a mainly clear sky. Overnight lows will settle down in the upper 20s to near 30. I'm meteorologist Sally Russell. This is Think Radio.